Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Hello, my loves. Welcome back to another episode of Here for the Crack with me, Emma Neal. I hope you're all doing good. It's so windy outside right now, like just one of those really grey, loud, windy days. And I love that sound when you're inside and cosy and you can just hear the wind and you're like, I'm so happy I'm not out in that. I'm cosy sat by my radiator. This is my new spot to record my podcast is literally sat with my back against the radiator on my bedroom floor. I don't know. It just feels fitting. And I feel like at this time of year, I'm like a little cat or dog that goes and like sits where the heating source is. Like the way my dogs or my cat always lies on, we have underfloor heating in our kitchen and at like certain points it's a lot warmer than others because maybe it like starts there and then spreads from there or something. I don't really know how it works. But you always see them just like not moving from that spot and I feel like that's what I'm like in the winter against my radiator. Oh my god, I'll give you a little house update, will I? By the way, thank you all so much for your lovely kind messages after last week's episode congratulating me and asking me to share the process. So I'll give you a little update as we as the weeks go on. I mean hopefully these updates won't have to last too long because as I said the aim is to get in fairly quickly. So last weekend I finished the painting of all the bedrooms as in just the walls. I'm leaving the ceilings and the skirting boards and the doors to the painters because I feel like I don't need to get involved in anything that could be fucked up majorly, whereas painting walls, it's easy enough, you know? I, I'm able to do that. So I finished it off because my brother had actually started it. He did two coats of all the walls. I did the third coat and then did all the edges and stuff. So they're pretty much done, which is good because that just like takes off a good chunk of things that the painter needs to do when they come in. So their job will be a lot quicker. That's actually what I spent my weekend doing, like just in my disgusting painting outfit (laughs) because obviously I didn't want to get any of my nice clothes ruined so I was literally in like you know those kind of big baggy ridiculous looking trousers you get in Thailand yeah with just an old t-shirt and I just had paint on my face literally the whole weekend we actually both Saturday and Sunday because my boyfriend was helping me out as well and after both times we were like oh we'll go get a wee post painting treat and coffee to I feel like we deserve it you know And both times I was like, yeah, I'm not getting out of the car like this. Like the general public does not need to see me in this current state, please. So you can go in and get those for us. Thank you. (laughs) Then this week I've been working away at painting the kitchen because basically in the kitchen there's only like one and a half walls. And when I say half wall, I mean, it's just like a little kind of nook behind the fridge 
that needs painted and then one full wall. So it was painted like a very, very dark slate grey. It looked fine, but I just need a bit of colour. I need to brighten it up a bit. I feel like painting any wall a dark grey is just... It doesn't really make that much sense to me. Like, it just feels a bit grim. I like my spaces to be nice and bright and airy and colourful if possible, but not, like, too colourful where it's overwhelming. This is the issue I'm having, right? Well, it's sorry, it's not an issue at all because I actually think I've got a good hold on my kind of taste in homes, which surprises me because... I thought I would really struggle with this but basically I'm not like a minimalist modern everything white and clean and you know just very minimal that is not me whatsoever I like color I like vibrancy I like I don't like clutter but you know I like having your little trinkets from your holidays and all your little cute photo frames and things like that like I'm not a everything needs to be white and cream and that kind of teddy material that I feel like is really popping off at the minute that's just not my style at all like I don't not like it I actually think it looks really class in some people's homes and offices and things it's just not me but at the same time I wouldn't describe myself as like a maximalist and I don't want like everything to be really out there and really colorful and like clashing loads So kind of getting that perfect in-between balance is something I'm really trying to do because when it's too much, it just makes my brain feel like, oh my God, too much going on here, like can't concentrate, you know? For example, you know when you watch people's Architectural Digest videos of their home tours on YouTube and they're really, really wacky, like really wacky uh, wallpaper with like really wacky colours of paint on the ceiling to match. I think those homes are fucking incredible and like if you're looking at it as like a kind of not a piece of art because obviously someone's home isn't a piece of art but if you're looking at it from like an artistic perspective I think it's amazing however could I live in that space probably not I think it would just feel too much for me so I'm really trying to as I said just get that balance of the two things but anyway I'm painting my kitchen a lovely green color it's almost like it's not a sage green because it's not like I feel like sage green is quite muted and almost has like a gray undertone sage almost verges on like vintage khaki so it's definitely not sage because it's a lot more bright I would say it's almost like a matcha color like a a weak not a weak match maybe yeah just like a, what you would imagine like a matcha to be I feel like it's more like that and I just figured because it's only the one wall well and a bit then I could just get cracking with that and also because no work has actually been done to the kitchen because the kitchen I think has been done like relatively recently so everything is in like very very good nick I don't need any workmen to do absolutely anything in the kitchen so by me doing the paints I'm not like or by me doing the painting in the kitchen I'm not in anyone's way which is obviously ideal but yeah the green looks so gorgeous with the kitchen because the kitchen is all white right so it's white tiles backsplash and white cupboards and then it's got wooden countertops so it kind of needed a color on the wall because if you painted that white with the white cupboards and the white tiles it just would have been so nothingy. Do you know what I mean? It needed something to pull it all together. I feel like the best bet was going to be a green of some sort, whether you go light or dark or like more of a khaki colour or even like a blue. But I, I'm such a green girl. Like green is just, 
It's definitely up there with one of my favorite colors, green and yellow, but I feel like yellow is a bit bold for a kitchen and I'd probably hate it after six months. So as much as I love wearing yellow and I love um, yellow accessories and, you know, there probably will be a lot of elements of yellow in my house, like yellow bedding and things like that. I'm such a yellow girl, but I feel like green is just a good color for a kitchen wall. Sorry, that was so rambly for me to just tell you that I'm painting my kitchen green but yeah that's what I've been doing I've just been getting up early going to the gym then going to the house and doing a coat of that so I've now done three layers uh, and I'm gonna go back I think tomorrow morning maybe I'll just wait until the weekend and I'm gonna do a fourth there and that should be it although I haven't done the little nook in behind the fridge I'm just saving that for once this wall is like fully dried so then I can fully pull the fridge out and do that separately. Then the joiner's been in all week. Well, actually he started on Tuesday, so majority of the week the joiner's been there. Just sorting a load of shit. Like, joiners can just do absolutely fucking everything. They're incredible. I wish I had those skills. If I was to train in anything, like if I was to get a trade, it would 100% be a joiner. Because imagine the shit you could do. You could build yourself a fucking swimming pool if you wanted. Yeah, he's been there sorting lots of shit out. Basically, the previous owners that were there did some absolute fuckery to the house for the purpose of getting like a tick box for building control. And it was actually the biggest shit show ever, the things that they did. I don't understand why they, well, sorry, I do understand why they did it because, as I said, they had to get the tick from building control. But like, no one was ever going to keep that on, the things that they did. They looked so ridiculous so it was such a waste for them to do something that was then just gonna inevitably get taken back down and have to then you know something go up in place of it it's hard to explain what those things are but yeah there was just an absolute fuckery going on as a result of that so the joiner's been an absolute angel doing all that he's also building in bookshelves in the living room it has been a lifelong dream of mine honestly since I was a little girl I have dreamed of having a floor-to-ceiling built-in bookshelf you know kind of like those floating ones that are painted the same color as the wall and as I said go from floor to ceiling it's literally just been my dream like I just imagine it as a little nook with like a big armchair as like your little reading nook Um, so he's doing that and then the painters just started today so it's all go 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 but it's amazing like I feel like I was freaking out in the first week thinking oh my god no one's come everyone's let me down no one's replying to me am I even going to be able to get anyone before Christmas and it's all really nicely lined up I'm just really stupid like obviously this is my first time for all this shit like I was trying to plan it too close together and then it would have meant everyone would be getting in each other's way and like it wouldn't have made sense for example like I wanted to get the new carpets and I was planning on getting them installed the day after the painters were starting and then I was thinking about it and I was like I feel like that's just not going to work. Like surely the paint's still going to be wet or they're at least going to just get in each other's way because they're going to be carpeting where they're going to be painting. And I just thought about it for a second. I was like, you know what? I'll just ring the carpet company and I'll see what the crack is, like what they have to say about it. And I'll ask them because, you know, leave it to the professionals and all that. So I rang them and told them to sit. She was like, yeah, didn't really know what I was doing. Like I had it booked in for one day after the other. Is this feasible? Like, can I continue with this and they were like absolutely not the the person installing the carpets will walk in take one look at the wet paint and refuse to put your new carpets down because all the fibers and everything will just get stuck to your walls so thank fuck I made that phone call basically (laughs) 
<laughs> but just I don't know all these things you literally don't think twice about like I well I probably should have thought twice about that let's be real judging by the way things have gone this week and fingers crossed next week I could be like fully moving in by next weekend which is really crazy as in maybe not fully fully moved in but definitely like in the process of moving furniture in and you know at that stage as opposed to internal work going on but yeah don't want to speak too soon because as I said you never you literally never know what's gonna happen how things are gonna go timeline wise if it's all gonna work out so we will see but it's a work in progress and it's all very exciting I'd love to do a few wee furniture flips down the line like I'm thinking once I am moved in and I can see for example like I know I'm gonna need a unit in the hallway when you walk in and yeah although I know I could go and buy that I'm kind of like you know what that could be a really fun project like I could go find something quite old and antique and funky in a secondhand shop or like one of the charity furniture shops and I could sand it down and get some funky like I don't know bright orange paint and then get some funky handles to stick on it like I'm really excited to try and do little projects now I'm not gonna be doing everything myself like that but I think it's nice to maybe do a few things like that give something old in a charity shop a new lease of life if I do anything like that I will definitely do a TikTok on it but also don't listen to a word I say because I don't have a fucking clue what I'm doing and I'll just be winging it too Oliver Bonus is really good for like funky furniture inspo because I went, I keep going and I'm like, I can't fucking afford anything in here, but I'm going to take loads of photos and take inspo from it. <laughs> like they had some really cool, funky, bright green furniture and I thought I could have a crack at that on something that's a lot cheaper and secondhand. Oh, let me give you a little reading update. So I finally finished Notes on Heartbreak. I had that took me longer than I wanted it to take me. I had do you ever get when you're in a really good habit of reading and you're flying through a book and then you just have like a busy week where you followed the habit of it and then before you know it, it's been two weeks and you haven't read a single page of the book that you were planning on finishing within two days you know (laughs) so that was the case and anyway I finished it last night and it was incredible I actually really really enjoyed that book I would recommend it to absolutely everyone but especially I think if you've been through heartbreak within the last year I think it's very relatable and it's really nice because you kind of go through the motions with the author you start you know going through the breakup with her and then the whole phase of like wanting to get him back and then there's the whole reflection side of things and all of a sudden you're realizing actually that wasn't really a surprise like I I should have seen that coming there was all these telltale signs and all these things that we were doing that weren't healthy so then she so she goes through all that and like kind of learning through it and then she comes out the other end a lot more happy with herself feeling like she knows herself better and having learned all these lessons and she even like speaks to her ex and there's like a conversation they have where she's basically at a point where she's completely past that that's not really giving anything away by the way because it's it's a memoir it's not like there's some crazy twist or anything at the end so don't worry about that it's more about the the, all the in-between stages and everything and it's really nice to see all those stages because you don't really hear of that so much in books, I've well, in anything really. 
maybe more so on podcasts when people are talking about like getting over breakups and stuff but you don't really see that whole side of things and going through the motions when it comes to like movies and um and in books and things like that so I just thought it was very refreshing and I just feel like everyone has gone through some form of heartbreak in their life and would definitely relate to it next up I think I'm gonna go back to Americana and finish that I don't know why I took a break from that because I was really thoroughly enjoying that book although it hasn't been too long where I've forgotten what's going on like I remember where I left off so it's fine I'm just gonna jump straight back into that and then I'm also currently reading a poetry book called She Must Be Mad by Charlie Cox which seems to be good I'm literally not very far into it but so far her poetry seems to be really nice Finishing Notes on Heartbreak there, that was my 19th book of the year and my goal was to read 20. So fingers crossed I'll get another one finished by the end of the year because I really want to hit my target. And then next year I'm going to step it up a little bit and do 24 books as my target because that's what I did. So the year before my target was 16, I think, and then I upped it to 20. So I think next year we can do 24. To be honest, 24 is actually really achievable when you break it down because that means one book every two weeks but if if you're setting aside time to read like a good chunk say at the weekend and get through like 50 or 100 pages it's so fine to get through a book every two weeks because then on two weekends alone let's say you're getting through 200 pages so you only really need to be doing then like you know 15 pages a few nights a week to get through the rest of it so I think that's very achievable but what it doesn't allow for is like weeks off like I said when I was really busy and just like completely forgot about reading there and that's why Notes on Heartbreak took me a little bit longer than I wanted it to I think I need to crack down on that and make sure that even when I am busy to wind down in bed at night I need to prioritize reading more and it's not just to hit some number you know it's not just to hit the 24 books and be able to say that I read 24 books this year it's not that at all it's literally because there are so many books I want to read like I get so overwhelmed by how much there is out there that I would love to read and it makes me so sad to think that I wouldn't be able to read I mean obviously I'm not going to be able to read absolutely every single book I've ever wanted to read that's pretty unrealistic but you know I would like to at least make a good crack at it and I think reading is so important for me, especially with having this podcast, like the amount I've learned from the books and the amount that I'm able to share with you guys is really important to me. It sparks a lot of ideas in me and gets the creative juices flowing. And, you know, sometimes when I'm really not expecting it, like I could literally be reading a novel, not even a nonfiction that's like really informative that I'm kind of expecting to get information from to be able to then talk about it in a podcast. It could literally just be like, I don't know, a romance novel and somehow it'll spark something in me. So yeah, I just think it's such an important aspect of my life. And also today, just with being so kind of like consumed by social media and TV and everything, it's really nice to still have that thing to go to, to switch off, to know that you're actually using your brain in that way as well. (laughs) Because I think a lot of the time when you leave school or university, depending on your job, obviously, you tend to just like not really use or activate that part of your brain. Okay, pit and peak of the week. My peak of this week was on Sunday night, I had the Chinese fake way of my fucking dreams. It was next level. My boyfriend made it and he was cooking for like his whole family and me. 
and he did fried rice, he did a vegan chicken curry, he did homemade dumplings, he did like Asian slaw, vegan duck pancakes. It was next level. I don't know how he's going to get away with not cooking that every Sunday now. Okay, and my pit of the week. Don't really have any pits to be honest, it's been a good week. I'm in a good place mentally, physically, I don't know, all of the above. I feel like a couple weekends not drinking, you know, I feel good. I feel on top of things. Oh, you know what I'll say is my pit is my fucking roots at the minute. I can't wait to get my hair done. I'm getting my hair done next week. So that's my pit. And my recommendation of the week is just going to be that book because I feel like I raved about that at the start. So that's my recommendation. It's called Notes on Heartbreak by Annie Lord. Someone actually replied to my story and said that they love her column that she writes for Vogue as well, which she did mention in the book at a few points. And I thought, oh, I must read that. So there's a little recommendation for you. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, so for this week's episode, I wanted to speak a little bit about healing from a toxic relationship or a toxic breakup and also kind of how that affects you moving forward and how you're likely to respond then in your next relationship and how to navigate that and basically not fall in to tendencies that you maybe had in the toxic breakup or the toxic relationship in this new healthy relationship. Or maybe it's not a case of that you're in a new relationship now, but in the future, you would obviously love to strive for a healthy relationship. My previous relationship, no, it wasn't overly toxic. It wasn't, you know, screaming, fighting, throwing things at each other, that kind of vibe at all. I mean, I wouldn't say it was 100% healthy and it definitely wasn't communicative or two-sided and there was a lot of there was just a lot of recurring issues that like we would always kind of come back to he was very uncommunicative and unaffectionate and I guess in a way kind of always felt like it was one foot in one foot out which if you've ever experienced that before the effect that then has on you is crazy because you feel like you're constantly fighting for their attention and their love and you feel like if it if you didn't put in all this effort then the relationship would be gone and it would be dust because you know that they wouldn't put in that effort so it's a lot on you to feel like you need to provide all the love and you need to provide all the affection and you need to provide all the words of affirmation and the effort when it comes to like being romantic and things like that so you end up becoming a little bit like crazy honestly because it really consumes you nothing's ever 100% 
good. So there's always something going on in your head and the mental capacity that kind of takes up is insane. Like, I don't think there was a living second throughout that relationship that I wasn't thinking about that relationship. And that's not normal. That's not normal to... Don't get me wrong, it's the loveliest thing to be not be able to stop thinking about your partner when it's in a lot more of a loving sense. Like right now with my current boyfriend, like I think about him all the time and it's in a very loving, like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm so lucky. He's just the best person ever. I love him so much kind of way where I'll think about him and then text him what I'm thinking kind of thing. But this wasn't that. This was very much thinking about it in a way of anxiously thinking about it if that makes sense like always thinking oh he seemed off with me or I wonder what he's thinking about this today or I wonder if when we see each other at the weekend is he going to be affectionate with me or if I'm going to leave it feeling really shit about myself like no matter what it was you were always anxiously kind of either thinking about something that was going on or anticipating something to happen because it was never like a hundred percent good and healthy And to be honest, I don't think I really knew that at the time. It was only on reflection I can really see all that now. Like, obviously, I wasn't coming to you guys on the podcast and telling you that because I guess in my brain it was just, like, normal at the time to be thinking that much about your relationship. And yeah, I knew there was, like, issues and things that we needed to work out and things that weren't making me happy. But I kind of just thought they could be worked out and like it wouldn't be an issue but I've now kind of come out the other side and realized that actually yeah there are things as a couple you can 100% work on but you can't change who a person is and you can't make them or mold them into be the person that you want them to be ultimately. But anyway as I was saying about how I felt like there was a lot of pressure on me to kind of always keep things sweet or like to keep things kind of running I guess how you think a relationship should run and like to be the one that's communicative and to be the one that's romantic and to be the one that's like all of those things that come with being in a relationship and as a result of that you're very much in the habit of people pleasing and now I wouldn't even say I'm that much of a people pleaser like I'm pretty strong-willed when it comes to just like saying no when I don't want to do something or um or honestly like saying when something isn't going to suit me or when that's just, you know, I'm pretty good at that, I would say. But I think throughout this relationship, I really got into the habit just in this aspect of my life of being a people pleaser just so that it suited him. I guess to avoid conflict because of the... Because when you know there's conflict that already exists and like problems within the relationship, I guess you don't want there to be any more than that so I think maybe subconsciously you think by people pleasing then there won't be any other issues apart from that and if that's the only thing you have to work on then surely that will be fine I don't know I'm just honestly speaking my thoughts on this out loud now for the first time and as I said in my podcast about love addiction where I spoke a lot about how love is like quite comparable to a drug in the way it makes you feel and if you have someone who isn't consistent and who is quite like back and forth and one day will treat you like an angel and will tell you they love you and shower you and kisses and then one day they've retracted and you barely get anything out of them then you kind of create this like 
yeah, addiction where you're constantly looking for their love and for their approval and for them to give you that all the time as opposed to just this like breadcrumbing back and forth situation. You never feel stable. You never feel comfortable. You feel like there's never time to just like sit back and breathe and just feel loved and just feel, do you know what I mean? Like, and feel fulfilled. There's always this element of instability. And even when things are going good, it's like, how long is this going to last? And, you know, when's it going to be when he next pulls away? And then we have another big blowout. Is then the time that I finally admit that this isn't working and this is never going to change? Like, you're always just having these constant thoughts. It's like a complete roller coaster. And it's so weird now that I can I can really see that especially now being in a really healthy really stable relationship where I don't anxiously think about my relationship like that and I don't come away from situations feeling bad about myself because I didn't you know maybe get any affection from my boyfriend or they seemed a bit off with me. I come away from absolutely every single encounter I have with my boyfriend, whether that be a phone call, a text, uh, a night spent at his, a breakfast around at his house or my house. Like No matter what the encounter is with my current boyfriend, I leave it feeling loved, fulfilled, content, happy, relaxed, at peace. Like if I went into the situation feeling stressed about my day or whatever it is or maybe on that particular day I opened up to him about something that had been really weighing on me I always come out of the encounter with my boyfriend feeling better and that's something I've never experienced in my whole life in fact with the previous relationship it was quite literally the opposite to the point that I stopped opening up to him because I knew when I did it made me feel worse by his reaction And I actually remember telling him that towards the end and he was like, well, what the fuck are we doing then? And I was like, yep, that's a good point. (laughs) And you end up doing some crazy, crazy shit when someone is like that with you. Like, I look back on some of the things I did and don't get me wrong, it was 100% triggered by the way, like, I don't want to say it was his fault, but... I would never do that now (laughs) and just looking back on it I'm like that's fucking insane that he drove me to I don't know pour a glass of water on his face when he wouldn't speak to me (laughs) but I mean also fair enough like why are you lying there in silence not communicating with me about an issue that we're trying to solve do you know what I mean you're asking to have a glass of water thrown over you at that point No, I'm joking. That's actually never warranted. But yeah, I, as I said, I look back on like some crazy shit and I'm like, wow, that was not good. Like someone should not be triggering you that much to make you that insane. Anyway, I think it gets to a point when you genuinely just have had completely enough. Like you can't give any more of yourself when you're constantly people pleasing, when everything depends on you when you're always thinking about it and like always being anxious about it you have a there's there's a point where you actually just can't give any more of yourself and you find yourself so unhappy because you're giving everything in you all like everything in you mentally and physically just to keep things sweet so then it just like blows up even more because you can't take it anymore 
you've got so much like resentment and everything built up inside of you. So that causes even more problems and even more chaos within the relationship, more things to have arguments about, you know, more things to get upset over and then also have to talk about them, but then it not going the way you wanted it to go because they're not communicating with you. So then it's like a whole other thing in itself. And there's just never any peace and quiet. It's just constant, constant chaos. And you're always holding on to this potential that you have seen of them. You know, you've got little glimmers of it. Is that the right word? I don't, is that a word? Did I just make that up? Anyway, you've got a glimpse of this potential before. You know, they've breadcrumbed you in certain ways. They've sometimes let you in and sometimes told you how much they loved you and sometimes been a little bit affectionate. And you think, you know, if they could just always be like that, if they could just realize that, you know, that's what makes me happy, that's what you hold on to. And I think that's why it ends up dragging out for so much longer than it needs to because you do hold on to that and you do see it every now and then. And you're like, I knew they had it in them. Like, I knew that was there. I'm so happy now. And like, you know, you maybe you experience that for a week and then before you know it, you know, you're back to square one. And so when that does end, when you do break the cycle, when you do eventually step away from that toxic relationship and look, any toxic relationship, I would pretty much guarantee, maybe not every single time, but the majority of toxic relationships will also have an extremely toxic breakup. As I said before, I don't think my previous relationship was like overly toxic. The only reason I'm saying that is because I feel like when people, when you use that word, I feel like people associate it a lot with like, I don't know, abusive relationships and crying and screaming and throwing things at each other. I don't mean it in that way. So I don't think it was overly toxic. I think we had a lot of issues. But let me tell you, was the breakup fucking toxic? And that's what I mean. Like, if you were already then in a toxic relationship, I think the breakup can be 100 times worse than the actual, than the toxicity of the actual relationship. Because that is when things get nasty. I have had really healthy breakups in my past. With my first boyfriend, it was literally as healthy as it could be. A conversation, you know, a few tears shed. I'll always have so much love for you type of thing. Like, I'll always wish you the best. And that was it. Nothing further. No constant going back and forth to each other. No crazy texts. No showing up at anyone's doors. Like, just very healthy, very normal. So I've experienced that before and I know what it's like. But this was just a whole other level of crazy. I'm talking five months of crazy, five months of, well, I actually haven't even worked out how long it was. I'm just kind of guessing it was around five months, five months of going back and forth, constant anxiety, constant tears, constant stress. And like, this was at the time of my final term of uni as well. I don't know how the fuck I endured that. How did I get through it? It genuinely baffles me because I cannot stress how much that was taking out of me. So once that ends and you kind of have this really warped perception of what love entails and what a relationship is, you know, you think those highs and lows and that intensity is perfectly normal. Well, you might not think it's normal because you might be a bit reflective on it and think that was fucking chaotic. But 
your nervous system is adjusted to that. Like, as I said, I don't know how I got through that, but I was probably just like so accustomed to it at that point that that was just how much energy I was used to giving to the relationship. So I was able to power through because it was like semi normal for me. I don't know. But anyway, your nervous system is definitely used to this like really crazy, high, low, intense environment. And you kind of mistake that for you think that's passion, you think it's love. You know, if your friends ask you about it or your family, you hide the kind of extremes of it from them because part of you knows that's not normal. Like, you know that your friends or your family would pick you up on that and question you about it and make make you think, you know, is that really love? Like, is that what you think it is or is that you guys just being toxic as fuck? So when you come out of that, it's so important to take the time to kind of unpack all of that and to reflect on where you went wrong in those scenarios and also to reflect on what your version of love actually is and not you know if you don't want that to happen again which I assume everyone would not want that to happen again (laughs) the standard should definitely be higher after experiencing that then moving forward what is a healthy relationship to you what does that look like what red flags are you not going to ignore? What are you going to make sure to communicate at the beginning of a relationship? What traits are you going to look out for and make sure that you have in someone before anything gets serious? Like it's so important to reflect on these things so that you don't end up in the same scenario again and you don't just kind of blindly, you know, fall in love with someone. And that sounds stupid to like blindly fall in love with someone. You might be thinking that's not possible. Trust me, it is. You can just end up being like, oh, I'm only casually dating. Like, I don't care if there's all these red flags. And before you know it, you're spending too much time with them and you're head over heels for them. So being a lot more intentional about what you're looking for and your idea of what love and a healthy relationship is is so important. Like, I cannot stress that enough. So then what happens, right, when you do get into a new relationship and it is healthy Obviously, everything in you wants the healthy relationship. You know it's healthy. You know that it's good for you. However, that does not change the fact that internally, your nervous system is adjusted to this kind of toxic pattern that you picked up before. And that's not to say you're definitely going to fall into that pattern, not at all, but you have to consciously not allow yourself to fall into that. A lot of things will come up. Your nervous system is so used to being this constant anxious mess within a relationship, to having these constant highs and lows, this constant chaos, and all of a sudden you're in a healthy, stable, loving relationship. And on one hand, you're thinking, this is fucking amazing. And then on the other hand, you might have these little times where you're like, what the fuck's going on here? Why is there no push and pull in this? Why am I just kind of getting everything I've ever wanted given to me on a plate from this person? And you're not used to not having to kind of fight for what you want. And that feeling feels really alien to you at the start. I remember thinking, fuck this man is more sure of me within the first month of dating him than my ex ever was throughout our whole relationship. Like, that's fucking mind-blowing to me. And one part of your brain is thinking how amazing that is and how 
this is the new standard and like I can't believe I ever was with someone that wasn't sure about me and then the other part of you is like but why is he so sure about me should I be worried about that and that's the part of you that like wants to feed into the toxic side of things you want to create drama out of nothing because you're thinking "Mm, this is all running a bit too smooth Maybe there's something wrong here. Maybe this is the calm before the storm. Maybe I should stir things up a little. And that's when you need to properly sit down with yourself and unpack where that's coming from and realize that that's a you problem, not a them problem. And I remember having times where I was thinking, this is everything I've ever wanted. This person is everything I have ever wanted, ever dreamed of. Like literally if I was to write down and actually I did write down everything that I wanted in a person like this is that person but even better and they're so sure of me and this is so healthy and this is so good and I feel amazing every time I'm with them and I come away feeling amazing but then there was always this side of me that was like what can I do to fuck this up and that definitely stems from being used to that chaos and also I think a little bit to do with like it's really weird to say but When you eventually do find someone that literally ticks every single fucking box and more and, you know, as I said, just is everything you've ever wanted and you're just like so in love, there's part of you that's like, wow, okay, this is it now. Like, if this is everything I've ever wanted and I want to make this work, this is it. I need to step up here. I not only need to get on top of my shit and work through my problems so that this can work I also need to show up as the girlfriend I want to be to this person if I want this to be a forever thing and obviously as a result of that you're gonna have thoughts in your brain that's like oh well it's easier to just fuck up then you know like it's almost easier to know that this is just gonna be a one-year thing another lesson than to think oh shit I need to get my shit together I need to work through my issues I need to level up as a girlfriend I need to be the person I want to be in terms of like being the partner I want to be and I actually think that we subconsciously get into relationships prior to being ready for that with people that we know it isn't gonna last with. I was talking to my friend about this not that long ago and I was saying about how there are some people that in relationships they always when they're with someone they're always like very sure of them and think that they that could be their lifelong partner and if you have a conversation with them about that they'll tell you like or they'll say to you why would I be in a relationship with them if I didn't see this lasting forever and that has always really baffled me because I've always been the opposite (laughs) like I've always been very much a like no it works well like it works at the minute but that's not to say I see myself being happy with this person for the rest of my life like it's very much a we're happy at the minute but that's not to say that I want this person to be my forever person and I've unpacked that and I think I've realized what that is actually coming from is I've got into relationships with people I knew fine rightly it wasn't gonna work long term with but that was okay with me because it didn't mean I had to have the commitment of then being the person I wanted to be in the long term does that make sense? So I don't know, maybe some of you relate to that as well. Like I knew fine rightly with some of my previous relationships that that wasn't going to be a forever thing and that I wouldn't have been happy if it lasted any longer than it did. 
but that suited me because I wasn't ready to level up and sort through my shit. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. It's a really kind of hard one to explain. And I feel like I'm really exposing myself in this episode. (laughs) Anyway, I think what I'm trying to get at is that healing from toxic relationships and toxic breakups, it's difficult. It's a lot more difficult than a regular healthy breakup. There's a lot more you need to work through personally and then also work through once you're in a new relationship. But the positive that comes from it is that you learn so much from it and you learn exactly what not to carry into your next relationship if you want that to be healthy. And as much as you might have tendencies to fall back into these patterns of behavior, it is more than possible to not fall back into them if you consciously tap into when you're having those thoughts, why you're having them and you know, really sitting down with yourself and understanding where those thoughts are coming from. And also just being open about it with your partner in the process as well so that they know where your head's at. I think ultimately I just want everyone to know because I feel like it is very common in your 20s to have toxic relationships and to have experienced that at some point. And I just want everyone to know that just because maybe your last one or two or three relationships have been that, that doesn't mean it's not possible to break the cycle. Everyone can break the cycle. Everyone can end up in lovely, happy, healthy relationships. I'm a huge believer in that. There's always lessons to be learned. There's always room to grow and there are always habits to break. We'll all get there, queens. I believe in us. Okay, I think I'll leave it there for this week's episode. Oh my god, I forgot to mention at the start of this episode, but I'm actually going to see my therapist ghosted me live tonight in the SSE arena with my mum. I'm so excited. She got me tickets for my Christmas present last year. So me and her are going together tonight. We're going out for dinner before, then we're going to watch the show. They've got, I can't remember who their support is, but there is a support and then it's them for like an hour and a half on stage. And I literally could not be more excited. I've seen Joanne McNally's stand up twice. Um, So this will be my third time seeing her, but obviously it's a bit different because it's with Vogue. It's not her stand up. It's the live podcast, but I can't fucking wait. It's my favorite podcast ever. I know it's going to be the best night. I know it's going to be hilarious. Anytime I've gone to see Joanne McNally before, I've literally left with my cheeks hurting from how much I've been laughing. So literally cannot wait for that. I will let you know how it was in next week's episode. But I hope you all have a gorgeous week. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode. If you enjoyed it, don't forget to give me a little five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Swipe up on Spotify and leave a little comment. It'll say, what did you think about this episode? Let me know your thoughts. If you have any topics you'd like me to discuss in the coming weeks, just drop me a little DM on Instagram. Also, my DMs are open for any questions, any queries, any dilemmas that you may have that I can include in the bonus episode. And voice notes are welcome. Okay, guys, I love you so much. I will speak to you in next week's episode. Bye. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.